Hello, and welcome to Joy Christian Community Church. Each week we strive to bring you Bible-based, Christ-centered teaching so that you will grow alive, deep, and bold in the love and knowledge of Jesus. And now, here's Pastor Clayton with this week's message. So we're continuing our series, Stepping Out in Faith. And last week we learned about Zacchaeus, who was called by Jesus. We learned of the amazing grace of God bringing people to saving faith. And we also learned that that saving faith then moves people into action. Now, in the beginning of saving faith, of your faith journey, it's pretty good. It's generally smooth sailing. But if you've noticed after a while in any portion of your walk with Christ, that sometimes there are headwinds. Sometimes there are storms that come upon you. Sometimes there are trials and tribulations. And then you get this little voice in your head that starts to speak to you, saying, is this really what it's supposed to be like? Is, is this it? If I'm in Christ, I shouldn't have any of those difficulties. I shouldn't be in a situation like this. And then this voice of doubt also becomes a double-edged sword and says, now that you're doubting, you must not have faith as well. And becomes this downward spiral. So there is faith and doubt. But let's be clear. To have doubt is a natural part of what it means to be human. Even those who have faith have doubts. So if you take a look throughout Scripture, especially just take a look at the Old Testament, all of these towering people of faith at one point in their life also had doubt. If you want to read about Moses, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I, right? He had great doubts. Read about Gideon. Gideon said to the Lord, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Read about Elijah. Elijah, he was so afraid, he rose and ran for his life. This is from 1 Kings chapter 19. And came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. I mean, these were towering people of faith, and yet they still had doubt. Therefore, to have doubt is part of a natural human reaction. The question is, what do you do with your doubts? What do you do with your doubts? Do you have doubts, or do your doubts have you? See, if you have doubts, you can actually use your doubts to propel you, compel you ever closer to God. But it is when your doubts have you, and they fester, they lead you away from God. They have you take your eyes off of what is most important, off who is most important. 
So the question for you, if you are in a storm this morning, is do, your, do you have doubts or do your doubts have you? So let's take a look at the disciples this morning and the account of Jesus and the disciples and the storm. We're going to take a look at faith and doubt. The context is this. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people, but when it says 5,000, it says 5,000 men. If you take a look, that would uh, increase to 10 to 15,000 if you start to include the women and the children. And the people were overjoyed at this, and they wanted to make Jesus king. We know this from the other gospel accounts. So Jesus tells the disciples, look, go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee here. Uh, well, I will meet you there. So this is the context for our reading today. Now let's talk about being ahead of the storm. Uh, we pick up our reading. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. So we often take narrative like this as simply setting the stage for the story of what's to come, and we often miss certain gems along the way. And there's a particular gem in here I want to make sure that we uncover. In the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus often interacting with people. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's healing the lame, giving sight to the blind. He's doing all of these things with people. But if you read the gospel accounts, what does Jesus also do? He spends a lot of time in prayer. He will go to a quiet place by himself and pray. In Gethsemane, we often, we see that, you know, going by himself to pray. He prayed in the morning, he prayed in the evening, sometimes he prayed all night, he prayed for himself, he prayed for others. We continually see him with prayers of intercession. He prayed for the people around Lazarus' tomb. He prayed for Peter at the Last Supper. He prayed for the disciples. If you take a look at the Gospel of John, chapter 17 is one long prayer. It is a prayer of intercession. Even on the cross, Jesus prayed for his tormentors. Luke chapter 23 says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even while he was being crucified, he prayed prayers of intercession. And he lives for our intercession. This is what it says in Hebrews 7:25. Consequently, he is able to save the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Thus, it's pretty safe to say Jesus on the hill after sending the disciples out was praying a prayer of intercession for them. So here's the question for you question for you this morning is this. Do you believe Jesus is active only when you need to get out of a bind? Like he's only praying for you then? Or is he praying for you ahead of your time of trial? And a lot of people have that. It's like, well, Jesus is just there when I need him. I mean, that time. no, he's praying for you ahead of your time of trial.
So now let's go to the storm. In the storm, picking up our verses. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was with them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. So here's the scene. They've been rowing for a number of hours. It says it's the fourth watch, which means it's anywhere between 3 and 6 a.m. So very early morning. That means they've been in the boat a long time. And if you think about it, they might have been rowing anywhere from 6 to 10 hours. It was hard, hard going. They were in a storm. You have to know that the Sea of Galilee is 680 feet below sea level, and there are hills that surround it, especially on the east side, hills that go up to 2,000 feet tall. So you have this cool, dry air that can rush down the hills, and it tends to be funneled by the hills too, and it hits the tropical warm sea uh, air of Galilee. And it often rushes right into the middle. And you know when that cool air hits the warm air, what happens? There's a storm. And also the Sea of Galilee is very shallow. So thus waves would be whipped up very, very fast. The disciples were in the midst of a storm in the middle of the sea. And when it says the boat was being battered, the, the better translation is the boat was being tormented, literally tortured, straining. This was a rough time, and they were afraid. See, I imagine that a number of you throughout your lives, and maybe right now today, have been in situations, storms, that have kind of come up. And maybe some of them have come up unexpectedly. And you are there and you're straining and there's a headwind. Have any of you ever paddled or truly tried to row in a boat in a headwind? It's almost impossible. It's almost like you go backwards sometimes. And sometimes in the storms of our life, we feel like we are going backwards and we cry out and we think, I shouldn't be in the situation if I have faith, if Christ is there, if Jesus is real, it shouldn't be this way. Now, by the way, some of the storms of our lives are our own doing. Some are our own doing. Look, if you've been in an adulterous relationship, if you have uh, an addiction of any kind, uh, drunkenness, gambling, anything like that, it's a storm of your own making. But for those following Christ, in him, sometimes life is just hard. And here's another gem that we miss Did you notice that Jesus actually sent them out into the sea? Do you think Jesus was surprised that there was going to be a storm? You see, actually, here's this. Jesus will sometimes send us into the storm. Following him, he will sometimes send us into the storm. Look, the disciples didn't know what happened with the 5,000. It says in another gospel reading, their hearts were hardened. Sometimes he sends us into a storm to soften our hearts. 
Sometimes he sends us into a storm to sanctify us, to purify us, to make us holy. <laughs> you know, when you, when you follow Jesus, you say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. We often think, well, it's going to be fine. But what did Jesus tell Paul? He said, Paul, follow me, right? Struck him down, blind, follow me. Oh, and by the way, I want you to go and be my emissary, be my ambassador. Oh, and by the way, you're going to be beaten with rods and you're going to be hungry and you're going to be cold. You're going to be robbed. You're going to be thrown over a wall. Oh yeah, I'm going to send you directly into the storm. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, do not think I've come to bring peace on the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. In America, in our Christian version here, we often think we want to be away from any storm in life and be sheltered from anything that happens. And when we think that way about Christianity, we get a skewed view of who Jesus is and what he has sent us to do. And because of that skewed view, we get whipped around and so many people don't endure, they leave the faith. The disciples were so scared, they said, it's a ghost. But this is what Jesus said to them. In the midst of their fear, in the midst of the storm, he said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus' words cut through the storm. He didn't give an explanation. He didn't say why the storm was there. He didn't say any of that. He said, take heart, it is I. And really what sweet and encouraging words those are. If you take a look at it in the original language, it's much more take courage, I am. And it's not a suggestion. How he says it is a command. He says, take courage, I am. Isn't that interesting language? I am. This is the language that God used with Moses in the desert. I am who I am, he said. And say this to the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. I am. Not that I will be, not the I have been, not that I kind of, I am. Take courage, I am. This is Jesus declaring his sovereign kingdom, his lordship, his deity, who has the power over everything. That's why we had the reading from the Old Testament this morning. Go back over that. Look at the power, the sovereignty of God. You see, here's what it is. Courageous faith comes not from knowing how strong you are, but how strong he is. Take courage, I am. This is why Paul can tell his protege, Timothy, Timothy, a young pastor in the city of Ephesus, a pagan city, much discord throughout and even within the church. He tells Timothy this, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power of love and self-control. 
And then he goes on to say, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. The courage that Paul had when he went out into the storms and he went out after storm after storm after storm, the courage he had was not based on his own ability, but on the ability of Christ Jesus. That's why he could write this. He says, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Not I can do all things because of my courageous faith, but because I have faith in the one who can do all things. So the question this morning is, do you have faith in the one who can do all things? There's a song, a a group, Casting Crowns. Do you know the group Casting Crowns? Um, They've got a a song called The Voice of Truth, and it kind of puts into words what I'm trying to express here, just a little bit of it. But the waves are calling out my name, and they laugh at me reminding me of all the times I've tried and failed. The waves, they keep on telling me time and time again, boy, you'll never win, you'll never win. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling to me, I choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. And who is the voice of truth? Christ Jesus, who said, take heart, I am. Do you listen to his voice? And if so, what's your response? What's your response? In the middle of the storm, Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Notice what Peter didn't say. Lord, command me to come to you after you tell me why I'm in this storm. Do you notice that? He didn't say, Lord, command me to come to you after you calm the storm. Once I understand everything that's happening to me, once I can come to my own strength. He didn't say all that. He said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. And what did Jesus say? One word. Come. Come, that's it. Jesus commands, and it is a command. We're often very succinct. Take heart, do not be afraid, follow me. Come. So Peter gets out of the water, starts walking on the water, right? He starts walking on the water. Peter stepped out in our whole series, right? Stepped out in faith. Peter stepped out, not because of his own courage, but because he trusted in the one who said this, come, come. That's what he says to you in the midst of your storms. Come. Now you might say, but I'm not good enough. Jesus says, come. I'm not sufficient. Come. I am. But I don't know enough. Come and learn. But I might look foolish. Yes. Come. But it will be hard. Yes. Come. Trust that I am. Thus, with his eyes fixed on Jesus and faith in the great I am, he stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. 
But when he, hmm, all right. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? See, rather than keep the focus, and that's why Bob's song was perfect this morning, rather than keeping the focus on Jesus, he started to focus on his circumstances. Jesus was there just a few paces away, right? He was there. But where did, G- where did Peter start looking? Everywhere else. Everywhere else. And he became afraid. He forgot. And thus he cries out, save me. Save me. Commentator uh, Lenski wrote this. In that moment of Peter's fright, faith gave away. He looked at the terrifying wind and forgot Jesus, who was only a few paces away. And then he began to sink. When he felt himself sinking, he was afraid that the wind and waves stirred up by it would engulf him. By this very few, very fear that was due to what his eyes saw, and his heart forgot, made him instantly remember and turn to Jesus with a cry, save me. And this is the relationship between doubt and faith. We fear what our eyes see and forget what our heart knows. See, if you're in the midst and you're looking around, in the midst of the storm and you're looking around and you're not seeing the circumstances that make you comfortable, What there is to do with that doubt is to cry out to Christ, save me. This is very similar to the father with the epileptic boy who said this, I believe, help my unbelief. This is the cry when you're in a storm and there's doubt and your doubt is talking to you and leading you away from faith, cry out, Jesus, save me, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. This is the cry. This should be the cry that we have. See, Jesus, in his response, said, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? This was telling Peter, Don't you remember who I am? I am. I am Lord and Savior. And he says, learn to trust him no matter the circumstances. The question this morning is, do you trust and love Jesus no matter the circumstances, no matter the storm? Do you trust him? And so going on, verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. See, the ultimate end of any storm of life that you are in is not that the storm calms. We, we want that. We want that to be the end part that the storm calms. But the ultimate end is that you are sanctified and you are brought into greater faith in Christ Jesus. That's the ultimate end of a storm where you, like the disciples, Glorify him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. See, this is what Peter wrote. Peter, who was afraid, right? Peter, who denied Christ. He says this, 1 Peter chapter 1, In this you rejoice, 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by, grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is what Peter wrote at the very end near his life. And thus, the question is, do you glorify Jesus? Do you glorify Jesus? No matter the circumstance, no matter the storm. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the faith that we do have. We pray that you sustain it, that you strengthen it, that you deepen it. Don't let it fail. Let us in every and all circumstance look to you so that in everything we do, we give you glory and praise to the great I am, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. God's peace and joy in Christ Jesus be with you.